Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Today we chat to two athletes who are heading to Birmingham in green and gold for the Commonwealth Games. Ebony Gariku had a successful athletic career as a sprinter and hurdler and switched sports to bobsleigh ahead of the Sochi Winter Olympics 2014. She took up weightlifting to build strength for that event and now has the opportunity to represent Australia in the 76kg class in Birmingham. While for boxer Kay Scott, this will be her third Commonwealth Games appearance after representing Australia in Glasgow and then claiming bronze at the Gold Coast Games in 2018. She's also competed in six world championships, winning silver in 2016. Kay joins us from the UK where she's completing preparations for Birmingham. Ebony Grinku is our first guest today, one of seven debutantes on the 2022 weightlifting team for the Com Games. Ebony, congratulations on your selection. How are the preparations going? Um, yeah, first of all, thank you very much. Um, it's a yeah, huge honour, still a little bit uh, surreal, I think. But um, yeah, preparations are going well. We actually had a competition up in um, Townsville this weekend, so... Yeah, just a bit of a hit out to, I guess, break up this uh, build up a little bit so that it wasn't, a, um, you know, too long and, and nothing in between. So we, we weren't really, uh, you know, peaking or anything, but just having a bit of a heavy hit out and um, yeah, a couple of PBs in there, uh, which is good. So yeah, things are things are progressing, I think, as they should. Yeah, brilliant. You've had such an interesting pathway to this Com game, starting your career track athlete. Uh, could you have ever imagined that it would be weightlifting that had earned you the spot on the world stage like this? <laughs> nah, not, definitely not. Not at all. <laughs> Probably, yeah, not the last sport, but never would have envisaged that, yeah, this was a uh, the one that I end up making, you know, com, com games or Olympics, you know, that level of um, team for. So, yeah, I mean, that's, uh, I guess, now irrelevant what it, what it's for. But, yeah, it's, it's come a long way. <laughs> well, tell us about your childhood. Yeah, so I started in athletics when I was about eight years old, just, you know, jumped in doing little athletics. And basically once I started to uh, run, it was pretty obvious I was pretty fast. So, <laughs> Yeah, I guess kind of just fell in love with it. Um, nothing long distance. That usually was uh, <laughs> not my favourite. But, um, yeah, anything sprints I seem to be pretty good at. Um, so, yeah, I guess I just stuck that out. I, I went, you know, through all the little athletics, states, nationals, that type of thing. And then once we got, I guess, kind of old enough, we were then in the sort of high school system. Um, same thing, states, nationals, some little small 
junior Australian teams here and there. But um, yeah, mostly like nationals was our really, you know, big, big event for us. So yeah, I think I did that for from the age of about eight till I was around 21, 22. And how does a successful sprinter from Queensland, no less, end up being recruited for a bobsledding team? It's got real cool runnings <laughs> vibes, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah yeah look I guess they it's one of those sports I mean particularly over here it's it's a winter sport we're not a huge winter country you can imagine (laughs) um but yeah they kind of were just looking at results from different sports I guess athletics um footy players weightlifters you know among all those sorts of power um sports and yeah just kind of getting a general you know a bit of a recruit out there and a word out there to sort of say hey come and test out and 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 join the team where where do you go and test out how does that happen yeah so um it because there's not you know any kind of tracks over here on ice we did a whole lot of um athletic testing so sprints jumps throws and a big element of that was also weightlifting stuff. So they then kind of, um, I guess, for all of those different um, elements that they were testing with us would then kind of, we'd accumulate points and whoever sort of scored the most points out of all of the testing was then how they ranked us before we went overseas to try out on ice. Wow. Uh, I've got to say that when I watch, say, a Winter Olympics, bobsledding just looks like the most fun out of everything what was it like the first time you you jumped on board as it were it's pretty wild it's fast it's very rough I guess the best way I could probably describe it is like go-karting but on ice you're super like low to the ground it's it's rattly as but yeah it's a whole lot of adrenaline so yeah it's pretty cool pretty fun (laughs) once you sort of four years yeah (laughs) exactly (laughs) well four, four years on that team what was that like being part of that setup um yeah look it was tough we had a lot of well not a lot of support I should say yeah a lot of things but everything basically we had to organize ourselves so I guess essentially the season would run like a race week to week in a different place half of the circuit would be in Europe and the other half in North America and so logistically we were just doing everything not just training and and you know being athletes we were sled mechanics we were truck drivers we were you know travel agents <laughs> yeah we were kind of everything so it was a lot of work but um yeah really fun and and rewarding i guess you know because we you get really close i guess with the other teams as well because it's not a huge you know you can imagine it's not a huge pool of athletes in the sport so you know when you're traveling from week to week um to 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 each race and each different place it's um yeah you you get some some pretty good friends through that too so yeah I'm sure you do and we can hear uh your your pet dog or dogs plural in the background uh, which means you're you're home at the moment before heading off but when you're heading off it'll be for weightlifting over in Birmingham did that become part of your life through the training for the bobsleigh team? Yeah, so we had a huge amount of athletic testing before we were actually sent away, um, you know, to then try out on ice. 
and yeah, a big portion of that was was some weightlifting stuff. Um, you know, power cleans, power snatches, squats, deadlifts, that sort of stuff. Um, and I essentially, I guess, just like a year out, a season out from Olympics, went to my weightlifting gym that I'm still at now, um, just to get a bit of help with technique and and you know to get more. With the more points I can score, the more I, you know, the better chance I got to get give myself a ranking higher. So, yeah, I sort of was going there a couple of days a week, just getting a bit of help, and just kind of fell in love with it. So, well, it certainly yeah, worked out for you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I um, sort of came back from the Winter Olympics, and I haven't left. They haven't been able to get rid of me. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you're also playing a part in developing the sport aren't you at the at the club that's the cougars club is that right yeah that's right yeah so are you training younger athletes there um yeah i mean look we're it's it's a big club but at the same time like we're all very close everyone you know it's it's definitely like a nice little community so we're all helping out wherever we can competitions coaching you know even our friends you know if, if there's anything i can um do to help anyone there you know i'm always happy to help there's no real secrets in in anything we do it's just a lot of hard work so yeah always always uh always happy to help out and yeah we're always always trying to I guess you know help with the younger athletes to to sort of come through because a lot of athletes in weightlifting do come from other sports you don't generally get a lot of athletes start as their first sport in weightlifting so yeah the younger ones that we do get in we try to sort of keep them as as entertained as we can keep them in as long as we can and how do you know if someone's going to be good what, what do you look for in a in a potential competitive weightlifter is it all about strength um yeah that's an interesting question actually uh definitely strength I mean you know we're you got to be strong but speed I think speed and power is a really important thing um I think being you know just I guess kind of bulk strong doesn't always cut it because there is such a technical you know fast element to weightlifting if you are you know struggling with that sort of speed um it can hinder a lot so yeah I I guess yeah sort of powerful fast athletes as well you know so what's your favorite part of the event I mean you've got uh, in the training you would have done power cleans power snatch push press squats deadlifts what's your thing um yeah probably cleans and squats I would say they seem to be no matter how I'm feeling or how training's going I can always sort of (laughs) string some decent cleans and some decent squats together if um, all else is failing (laughs) so yeah probably those two I'd say is is my strengths and achieving qualification for Birmingham what did that road look like is it a series of wins in competitions or is there one specific qualification event how does that work so yeah for this com games we essentially had a series of qualification events now you didn't have to do um, every one of them you we just had to end up being out of all of the qualification events we had to end up being the number one in our category in australia and top six in the commonwealth you know rankings out of those qualification events yeah uh, i think we had we have we had our oceanias we had a world championships we had well, world championships combined with Commonwealth championships. And then we had like, a, it was like a Singapore international sort of competition, which was just like a, another qualification event to 
to wrap things up. Tokyo, the Tokyo Olympics also counted as well as a qualification event. But yeah, then it just essentially was um, whoever in each category ended up in, in the top in their country and then in the top six was for us in Australia. I think, I believe some other countries was top 10, so. Tell me, what does your support team look like? Uh, I'm imagining that alongside a coach, you've got physio, massage, the mental side. Yeah. And who, who's behind yeah. this this campaign? Yeah, it's definitely, yeah, as much as we're like a solo effort up on the stage when we compete, it day in, day out, it feels like it takes a bit of an army. But I've got like a physio, I've got a massage therapist, definitely help, you know, nutritionists help with nutrition. I have done a lot of work with like um, some sports psychs and things like that. Not of late, to be honest. I did a lot of that sort of stuff, um, I guess, a bit earlier on. And then and then a lot of those skills you kind of can, can keep carrying through. Jeez, what else? Definitely coaches. And then, you know, you can't do it without the support of your, your friends, your family, all the people, you, you know, the guys I'm training with day in, day out. Um, my partner, you know, he holds the fort a lot because I'm very often training for a lot of hours. So I get home and, you know, he's got so many things sorted at home for me. Yeah. And then, you know, just general family and stuff. You can't, you know, you really can't do it without. It doesn't seem like the support from family and friends is, is all that much. But yeah, bloody hell when you're, when you're not so sure about things and, and everyone else around you is sure about it, it, it definitely helps, you know. You're listening to Trailblazers with Stephanie Brands. We're chatting to Ebony Garinku, who's heading to the Commonwealth Games in Birmingham and the weightlifting team. How do you know, Ebony, on the day when you walk out, how do you know that you're ready? What goes through your head ahead of your lift? As little as possible, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> my... <laughs> has gotten mad at me a few times for saying this but he's like you know what do you what do you think when you walk out there and I'm honestly like just nothing like it just has to be automatic and I think the times when you are thinking too many things is is probably when you are feeling a bit less prepared but the times when you just walk out and think yep you know let's just let's do it let's go that's that's kind of yeah that's kind of when you know ready to rock and you mentioned your support team particularly your partner and I'm guessing that the financial support as a weightlifter is is not stratospheric. Uh, do you need to? Are you still doing other work? Uh, yeah, I still I still work full time. I'm super lucky that my job. I guess you know through COVID and all the things that have gone on, um, my job has a lot of like work from home um, allowance type of stuff. So. You know, I work from home a couple of days a week, which helps. And then I'm in the office, and you know, another couple of days. But yeah, essentially, I'm still full time. So I work from about 7.30 till 4 every day. And then I'm straight straight into the gym after that. You were doing uh, mechanical drafting. Are you still doing that? Yeah. Yep. So still doing that. Um, basically, just working for an engineering consultancy. And yeah, they just assign us to jobs. And here's your job. You got to get that done. And yeah, where we go. Well, it sounds like a, a good system, if you like, to allow you to get away because you go to some serious inter interesting places. I think the World Champs, you're in Tashkent, weren't you? And uh, uh, yeah. you've just been in, in Townsville in North Queensland. What's your favourite destination that you've been to? Um, yeah, golly, we've been a few places with 
even just with weightlifting alone. Um, very good question. Weightlifting is like a tough one because even though we get to go to cool places, like we're just lifting indoors, you don't sort of, if we're there for <laughs> a, a, a decent amount of time, we get to sort of have a look around. But definitely had some favorite places when I was bobsledding because we were obviously out, you know, in the mountains, in the scenery. But look, to be honest, everywhere we go when we are doing sport is is generally not, bad because everyone's very welcoming and um you know they're they're all set up for us to to come and make things as, as easy as possible so to be fair I was actually really surprised that Uzbekistan we had a really good time there um and the people were super nice um yeah it was a, a huge I mean, as well championships I guess so yeah it was a huge setup but yeah we we had a really good time there and what about when you're home how do you get away from it all what does life outside of work and weightlifting look like for you so yeah you mentioned the dogs before I got four dogs we like to you know take them out we live behind the massive you know national park forest kind of thing so we kind of like to take them out in there I like to I guess we just like to chill out you know my partner and I go and eat in nice places it doesn't have to be nice places but you know everybody loves food so we like to go out and eat just generally trying to chill out, I suppose, you know, because I'm always go, go, go. It's sort of hard for me to sit still. <laughs> um, so I think that's probably what I got to force myself to do. I think I read that you were an animal lover. So the amount of dogs doesn't surprise me. But did I, I read that you also have pet snakes? Yeah. So I got four dogs and four snakes. I've <laughs> um, had in the past some pet ferrets yeah all sorts of stuff I love animals I probably like animals more than people sometimes so <laughs> they uh they're always good company are you a fan of sport as well do you follow sport outside of that because it's played such a huge part in your life yeah definitely my partner really loves sport as well so I mean to be honest majority of the time what's playing on our tv is some kind of sport whether it's you know he really loves motorsport and I I think that's fascinating as well. You know, they're a whole different level of athlete. I do really still love to follow the track and field, you know, when the Diamond Leagues and, and those sorts of things are on, obviously Olympics, Com Games, all that sort of stuff. Like that's that's amazing to watch the athletics. I love watching gymnastics, things like that. You know, I think I just watch and think, bloody hell, I don't know, don't know how those guys <laughs> do what they do. <laughs> did, did you have sporting idols growing up? Did you have people, you know, you looked at and they were your heroes? Mm, yeah, definitely. I think, um, I mean, it's sort of funny looking back on it now, but um, yeah, in track and field, Marion Jones, Maurice Green, those sorts of figures at the time. I mean, obviously things happen with, with those sort of athletes as well, but um, yeah, bobsledding was strange. It was something I just kind of got thrown into, threw myself into. So that was just, that whole thing was just a wild, like bit of a whirlwind. Didn't really know what I was getting myself into and just went along for the ride. So I didn't really have, I guess, necessarily any, you know, role models or idols there. But um, yeah, look, there's some, you know, weightlifters um, that we get to actually compete against. Well, I say against, but compete with at, um, you know, worlds and things like that. So yeah, it's definitely a few big name weightlifters that you know we all you can't not love so well you're the one that younger athletes are looking up to now what's your advice to them if you could go back and talk to say your eight-year-old self what would you be saying to her um yeah well, look I've had such a I guess um what do you call it it's a really whirlwind journey bit of a 
tangent, you know, it's things aren't always, I guess, um, how you think they're going to turn out, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, sitting here, I never would have thought or said that I would have been on the Australian women's bobsled team, let alone the weightlifting team, but they've both turned out to be, you know, really amazing sports and amazing experiences for me. And yeah, I guess there's, there's always more than one way to achieve you know your your dreams wherever it is you think you you want to you know whether it's olympics commonwealth games states nationals what whatever whatever that is there's there's definitely always more than one way to achieve that but i guess as well if if you fail too don't don't think that that's kind of the end of the road you know because i've probably failed a whole lot more than (laughs) what i have been successful yeah there's always more than one way to get there that's for sure well, it's success that's got you a spot on the team for Birmingham. How are you feeling? Are you all ready? Who are your biggest rivals going to be and what are you most looking forward to? Yeah, super excited. I mean, we're sort of, I think, 13-ish weeks out now. So that's um, it's getting close, but I'm, I'm just excited. I'm, it's almost like now that qualification's done, all those sorts of things, like the pressure's off, we just get to go and and lift and and go hard you know so um I mean all of us will be definitely trying to um have a fight for a for a medal you know I think I'm currently sort of sitting tied fourth but you know between third fourth fifth uh we're all only a couple of kilos apart so it could sort of be anyone's day on the day but yeah we've got a Canadian girl I think who she's like reasonably far ahead she took out the commonwealth championship spot uh but then everyone else from there i think it's kind of india maybe a cameroon girl a british girl me we're all yeah we're all within you know four i guess the kind of four or five kilo bracket so it's um it's gonna be good i think it's gonna be a, a spicy competition hopefully so Ebony, it's going to be a great one. We can't wait to see you compete. We want to say all the very best. Good luck for the Com Games and thank you so much for taking some time out to chat to us on Trailblazers today. Thank you so much. Yeah, I really appreciate it. You're listening to Trailblazers with Stephanie Brands. We're now joined by Kay Scott, who's gearing up for her third Com Games and is in training in the UK. How are the preps going and how is life in the mother country, Kay? <laughs> Hi, Steph. Um, things are going pretty well over here. It's a, a pretty big year for us uh, girls boxing that have made the Commonwealth Games teams. We also have uh, the World Champs coming up. So that's what the priority focus of this training camp is over here. We've got uh, four more days over here and then we're going to be heading off to turkey to fight in the women's world championships so we do like to be over somewhere close because it's such a big trip to get over this side of the country that we'll generally do a training camp generally do a training camp for a few weeks get used to um, the time zone change adapt um, and then move over like it's only a, a four hour five hour flight over to turkey and then we'll arrive only a couple of days beforehand and then be ready to get straight into competition mode over there so we are used to doing the long haul flights but we often uh always try to organize to either arrive minimum a week beforehand because it takes quite a while for the body to adapt and for you to be able to bring your your a-game performance after going through uh 
all that travel fatigue and adjustment. Yeah, <laughs> no, no wonder. And of course, being on the other side of the world means we have got you out of bed at some unearthly hour to chat to us. So we're very <laughs> grateful that you uh, you got up for this. Uh, third time in green and gold for the Com Games. Uh, do you consider yourself a, a veteran of the sport now? <laughs> oh, I hate that word. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> it makes me feel so old. <laughs> um, well, yeah, definitely. Um, I do think so because it, there has, hasn't been too many people that hang around that long in boxing as a sport um, within the amateurs because it is, it, it's a tough gig to be able to perform at that level. So I'm pretty honoured to be able to go along for my third Commonwealth Games, but I have definitely said that this this is actually my last year in the amateurs. It's it's time, so I plan on um, bringing a really big big year this year to to finish it out. Of course, and uh, you, you mentioned a world champ. Well, you've competed at six of them already, winning silver in 2016. That's the best result by an Australian boxer at those championships. It was a massive achievement, but I've heard you say in reports after that that you're a little disappointed. It's such an interesting juxtaposition isn't it you win silver but you lose gold surely you're very proud of where where you where you got to though right I I am in hindsight but that's kind of I've been doing a lot of work as an athlete on my my mindset um, particularly the last two years Um, I've been focused so much on probably having the wrong type of winning mindset that all I do is just chase the next win and if you haven't won what you wanted which was the gold medal then kind of like applied all these other kind of feelings that you're not good enough uh, as an athlete you're not worthy to be there all that kind of stuff so I've really been trying to flip that and it allows in hindsight to look back and kind of go you're bloody amazing like you just got a silver medal number two in the world but yeah, in that moment, I was, I was really disappointed and not just disappointed. I didn't get the gold medal. Like I didn't enjoy myself afterwards. Like we went out for a team dinner and I, I'd left the team dinner and went back to the hotel by myself afterwards. Cause I was just so angry and disappointed in myself. I'm that, that's not normal. And probably that was probably a, a turning moment to kind of realize I've got to change something to do with, with, the way that I'm thinking if you can't even get a, a silver medal on the world stage and be happy and proud of yourself so there's lots of complexities into being an athlete 100% and and as you say a lot of it is about that that mental conditioning as well what does your week look like what's the components of paying attention to your diet your conditioning your training your mental health all that sort of thing how do you fit it in and, and what does your program look like it's full on like I say I'm, I'm so committed into the sport now. Like I, I don't drink, I don't date, I don't go out. Like I, like I'm honestly, I am so married <laughs> to the sport. It requires. I think if you want to be up at that top level, you, you can be good, but you can't be great unless you put absolutely everything into it. So back at home, I still work a full time job. And I do two to three training sessions a day. So it kind of means my days start anywhere between 4.30 and 5.30 in the morning. And I'm often not home until about 7 p.m. at night. And that's, yeah, working um, as a personal trainer and group exercise instructor 
And yeah, then I, I dropped my, my boxing gym is also 45 minutes away. So it means I have to drive up the central coast to get up there. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a big commitment and it's all around embracing like a healthy lifestyle because we, we make weight categories and I, I make um, a, a weight that requires me to be switched on with our food. And we even have in part of like our, our contract as being athlete, we're not supposed to go over seven percent of our body weight outside because if you fluctuate too much uh, it's just too straining on the body or you put too much um, focus onto that in your next training camp that you can't apply yourself the way it's needed to be by your coach because you've got a second element of actually having to drop body fat and bot to allow you to even be able to compete so yeah it's a it's a very very big commitment it is really intense uh, is it rewarding it is, and that, that's probably why, especially even just the general public kind of see all these comebacks of a lot of the, the well-known fighters. And like, why is, why is he back again? He's, he's 50. Why is he having another fight? Something about boxing. You can't explain it. It just hooks into you, and you, you don't want to leave it. And I guess I can really feel that. Like, I it's always evolving, and you're always learning, and you can get someone else put in front of you that, challenges you that can make you feel like an absolute novice again like I know I've been doing it for 10 12 15 years now and sometimes I'll walk out of a session and I'll get someone unusual that I've sparred and I'll walk out of there feeling like an absolute beginner going what happened in there with sparring tonight I don't know I wasn't using my jab I wasn't what what was going on and <laughs> you just constantly like just it's like a new puzzle that you get that you've got a soul. Yeah, it's quite addictive. <laughs> <laughs> but you must be pretty familiar with most of your toughest competitors. Who's your biggest rival in your upcoming competitions? Uh, probably actually the, the home country, mm. Turkish girl. So she is uh, the current Olympic gold medalist and world champion. So she's got the, the double gold in my weight division and we're fighting in her, her home country. So she would easily be the favourite. But there's still a big mix of girls that you probably put in like the top 10 that are very, very good quality and very different styles. Um, so you have to be able to be well-equipped and have different tools to be able to deal with those different styles. And where do we compare in, in the world as far as our boxing community, especially for women? Because I think you're in the first female about New South Wales because it was banned before then for, for <laughs> women to box. I mean, that just seems extraordinary yep. in this day and age. But that was only back in 2009. Yeah, it was so crazy. I, I got into boxing, honestly, just through um, – being fit at a gym and just doing boxing fit box boxercise type classes. Anyway, I, I uh, ended up joining my local club because I liked it so much and started training a few times a week, went to a few of the, the shows and watched some of the boys that I'd been training with. And I asked my coach, I was kind of like, oh, do you think maybe like if I did like a bit of a training camp and keep learning that eventually I'll be able to do it? And his response back was no. And I was like, <laughs> what do you mean? No. And he's like, you can't, girls can't fight in New South Wales. And I was, my jaw dropped to the floor. I just could not understand. I was like, you're joking. You're having me on. Ha, ha, ha. And he's like, no. He's like, if you want to, we'll, like, we'll have to fly up to Queensland. And, I was, and I'm still at a, a, a novice stage at then, so I'm not really thinking about going and buying a flight up to Queensland to go have my first ever fight. 
But I was just so dumbfounded that in that time that we had such backwards laws that were still in place. Obviously, they changed once um, uh, the Olympics had females introduced in 2012. So it was lifted shortly, which was um, a great thing to see, but absolutely bizarre that, um, yeah, 2008, that it was still like that for females. So how excited were you when you were told that, wow, it's not illegal anymore? <laughs> I was. I was over the moon. Obviously, I wasn't um, as into boxing as I, I am right now, but it was it was a pretty cool breakthrough. And then to to end up being the first one in New South Wales that had to fight was very, very amazing. Again, another a piece that I look back on and realise how like pivotal it, it is for the progression of women in sport and particularly uh, women's boxing. You're listening to Trailblazers with Stephanie Brands. We're chatting with Trailblazer elite boxer Kay Scott. Kay, when you mentioned you got into boxing through BoxFit, which I think is for most women probably the only time they'll pull on a pair of gloves, but you come from a netball background. How do you go from a sport where you need to stay three feet apart to smacking around other people? Uh, it was um, a netball and you wouldn't even believe this dance. I used to be in dance at Stanford's getting my, <laughs> my hair done and, and makeup and even ballet with some tutus and point shoes. <laughs> so, net, netball was what I, I concentrated a lot on and I played reps and state age and stuff like that. But when I finished high school, I kind of, I'd been doing that since I was seven years old and I wasn't, I really kind of lost the passion for it. And I kept playing the last few years, kind of just being forced to. By, by the rest of the team you always kind of got conned into and roped into doing it but by the time I started uni I was like I, I don't want to give up on weekends and do that anymore if I don't really like it so I've been a member at my gym lots of different classes at the gym there's Pilates there's blah 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 and one of the classes was boxing started doing that loved doing that one of my best friends did it with me each week um, after uni we'd go I think it was on a Monday night or something like that and the instructor was a boxer himself and also a boxing coach so he used to just take the the box fit class which was a you just put pads on with your friend and non-contact type not actually punching each other just pads pads and gloves <laughs> um but he'd take a, a couple of boys that were his fighters after that class that hang around and he said to me a couple of times in the class he's like oh you actually punch like really well you should hang around afterwards and I can show you with some of the boys some more and I was like oh, no but he kept pestering <laughs> me for quite a while and one time I dragged my best friend and me and we stayed back afterwards and I absolutely fell in love with it then. And she walked out of the class going, I'm never doing that again. Absolute <laughs> contrast. Because we were even made to do some just light shoulder touch with just tapping each other on the shoulder for some reaction. And she's like, you hit me on the shoulder. And I was like, yeah, what was that? And she's like, nah. <laughs> so that's where, honestly where it all evolves from. That, that introduction, I ended up kind of signing up at my local PCYC club and learning and doing more there so yeah <laughs> and how about the first time you actually felt some proper contact cool. how was that uh <laughs> different very very different I think particularly for I don't know being a girl like a, you're not used to having that come come at you and I definitely remember my my reaction was just not to turn away but I like was just to cover cover my hands mm. and kind of shell myself so it, it does take a while to adjust and 
learn and adapt. But the more skills you get, you realize more of how people make that comparison of boxing to being a chess game and how much I ring IQ that you really need. Um, the more skills you develop as a fighter, you realize that you can employ them it's not so primal and just going hell for leather and banging each other like I know some of the audiences like that but some of the, the best boxing fights some of the general public aren't kind of really aware of how good that boxing is to hit and not get hit is yeah it takes a lot of skill to be able to manage that distance and react to things and that's why it is so difficult as a sport um to become great at. And what's the family think when you go from being <laughs> this pretty little girl playing netball and toe shoes dancing and braids in your hair? What What's the, uh, the reception like back home? <laughs> it's absolutely wonderful now, but we definitely went through a little bit of a windy path to get there. Both <laughs> my parents weren't too happy, particularly dad. And then even when I started going well and started getting more heavily involved in it and started winning some state titles and going through to nationals, my dad was kind of like, when's this boxing hobby craze going to finish? Like, hurry up. <laughs> like, <when?" laughs> Yeah, and then I think there was just a slight concern about having that contact and getting hit. Um, that's kind of, I guess, normal for a parent. They don't like seeing you come home and you've got like a little scratch on your face or a little baby black eye or anything like that. I don't think they like seeing that. But if you adjust and you realise that I'm putting so much time into it and learning the craft of the sport and, again, understanding that there's so much more to it than just going and punching that person's head in, there's so much more to it. So they're super supportive and they're actually, they've just confirmed that they're going to be coming over to the UK and watching me in Birmingham. So that's really, really exciting. Oh, that is brilliant. How wonderful. And I'm guessing they're the ones now that stand by with the ice packs and the, the painkillers and all that sort of thing for you after the fight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're fabulous like that. Uh, Mum's actually uh, a nurse, so she, she's always got the little trips that, tri uh, tricks and things for the bruising and tells them, oh, no, put some heroid on, that'll clear, clear that up. And yeah, she's great. <laughs> I can tell our listeners that I can see Kay on Zoom and she looks uh, completely unblemished. So whatever mum's doing, she's certainly yeah. done very, very well. Uh, you mentioned yes. uh, going to university and you did a, a human movements and, and dip ed. Um, initially, I actually, I wanted to be a doctor. I really did. I, I sat back the UMAT test after my high school years and I did quite well in my UAI I got over 90 but it wasn't enough to be able to do medicine directly so I actually signed up and I got into medical science I did that for about a year and a half but it, I, I didn't love the degree and it was probably just a little bit too much challenging in the mathematics type side of and uh, like some of the biochemistry and stuff I was <laughs> had a tutor and I was just sitting in the lunchtime rooms trying to get help trying to understand it and I was like, this isn't me like I don't love it I've always been very sporty growing up so that's when I kind of transferred over and did like a, a sports science degree and under my dad he encouraged me to stay on and do a fourth year dip ed just for teaching even though I didn't really want to be a teacher just said it would be really handy to to have there later down the track if you wanted to fall down on it so I haven't actually used my teaching degree uh, obviously being 
a, a PT and all that kind of stuff. Like I've gone much, much more in depth, the science side of things and biomechanics and stuff like that. But this athlete um, lifestyle that I've, I've lived kind of the last 10 years hasn't allowed me to take on a full-time job like that because we disappear, especially being so far um, on the other side of the world when all the competitions over in in Europe and over the UK we often do stints like for two months three months at a time going overseas and you can't just I can't be a teacher and just be like oh in two weeks time I'm gonna go over to the UK for five weeks and then I might be back this time and then I've got con games uh, a month after that and I'm gonna yeah so definitely put some of the job things on hold or just adjusted things but I I wouldn't change anything. You you said that perhaps you're looking towards a time when you will hang up the gloves did I hear a rumor that you want to become a firefighter? Oh, I'm surprised you heard that. That's only very, uh, I've only just really told people that. Yeah, I've wanted to do that for a while because, again, it's still physical and I, I think I, I just would not sit behind a desk from nine to five. It wouldn't work with me. Yeah, so I've been, had been looking into things for quite a while, but I've actually got yeah, an application process that's going to start. Um, the intake for New South Wales is 1st of June, actually. So I'll be putting my resume and application in through that. So I'd really like to do that. It'll be awesome bit of a career change. Yeah, that's an understatement. However, first of all, we have you in Birmingham and you're competing in green and gold once more. Can you tell us, uh, you mentioned the fact that, you know, you still have to do other jobs, but you can't have a full-time gig. How much support is there? (laughs) That's been a little bit of a tricky one along the way. Like boxing being such a a minority sport, particularly in my early days of competing, especially with the women, there was absolutely minimal funding it was probably only eight years ago and I won the nationals for Australia and I was selling you know the little Cadbury boxes of chocolates that primary school kids carry through I was selling them to be able to fund me to be able to go overseas to go compete and represent Australia so we had to fund our own way to like number one in Australia and yeah if you want to go you pay for your flights and accommodation <laughs> luckily I have a, a great community behind me especially the the gym that I've worked at I've, I've been for kind of like since it was the boxer size gym that I fell in love with boxing at I, I now work there so I've been there a very long time so I, a lot of the members all wanted to help so I, I calmed off a lot of boxes <laughs> to help me <laughs> so I've seen some great progress and we definitely because Australia has performed so well over the last few years in particular Australia has a a system which kind of is rewarded with medals so we have got a little bit more of an injection of funding over the last couple of years and if I compared the funding we get now compared to when I first started it's absolutely amazing and I'm so so grateful for it but then I also come over to a place like the UK where the GB podium boxers are here as full-time athletes they get paid I think it's 800 pounds a week by like they get paid to just turn up and train the way what we normally do they get all their meals and accommodation and they're all at one central system so they just train from I think they arrive on Monday afternoons and they get to go home on Friday morning once they finish and they go home and train with their home coaches and then they just come back in Monday morning so they get their weekends for free back home with their family and stuff and just train Monday to Friday at the gym and get paid for it so there's still a lot of 
disparity, but at the same time, I'm still so grateful because I've been right down the bottom where we don't get anything at all. And we have made great progress and there's, there is some support and being a Commonwealth Games athlete, like this trip is, is paid for by Boxing Australia, which is fantastic. So I'm just very, very grateful in that regard, but I know that we've still got more work to go as well. If we want to have like a level playing field to be able to mix it with that top group and be bringing home medals at the Commonwealth Games and at the World Championships and at the Olympics. Well, Kate, quite frankly, Australia loves an underdog. So it puts you in the perfect spot for a, for a headline <laughs> finish in, in Birmingham. How close are you to being ready to go? Of course, you've got Turkey first and then the Com Games as we speak. A few months away still. Oh, I always say born ready and it's been the focus <laughs> the whole time. But we do kind of more like set training camps leading up to a specific event. So right now I'm in my world champs training camp. My focus is right here. Then I'll go back home, we'll regroup, have like go into a general training phase and then I'll start another eight week block of training and everything will be like right now. My focus is Commonwealth Games. So, of course, we're all working towards a common goal is to be better as a boxing athlete, which is going to help me get gold over in Birmingham. But, yeah, the focus right now is to get up on the podium over in Istanbul. Well, we can't wait to see that. Hey, Scott, you're an absolute legend. You've been a complete trailblazer in the world of women's boxing. We wish you all the very best for the upcoming competitions this year. Thank you so much for getting up so early to chat to us on Trailblazer. You're welcome, Steph. <laughs>